Hello and welcome to DFS Coach Talk. Today is Friday, October the 22nd. I am Joe Sarvati, affectionately known as Coach, and I am joining you here to break down the 10-game main slate on NBA uh, DFS for DraftKings, FanDuel, and Yahoo. Uh, if you are new to the, the show, you can check us out here at DFS Coach Talk seven days a week. We're doing an NBA podcast. We also have three NFL podcasts and a PGA podcast uh, that comes out every week. So we are on here all the time. If you're watching on YouTube right now, right at the start, if you can give a quick thumbs up, hit the subscribe button, give us a little comment that really helps us move up the algorithm on YouTube and hit that little bell up in the upper corner there, that alarm bell We'll let you know when any of our Coach Talk podcasts post. Um, if you're listening to us on audio, we have a giveaway once a month, and there's only nine days left uh, in this month. If you uh, listen to us anywhere podcasts can be heard, whether it be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, um, you name it, we're there. Uh, give a quick five stars, a little comment, and you'll be in a drawing for a full one-week membership all access to DFS Coach Talk. All right, excited to get things going, but I have to mention last night we had a, a terrific NFL takedown in the Millie Maker. We were part of the big splits there, about $8,000 to $9,000 for everybody that uh, finished tied for first there. And our man, Andrew Hansen, uh, got it done. And his the rest of the NFL team, a lot of con contribution from those guys uh, as well, Joe Stanton, uh, Josh Davis, and John Wehausen, uh, and Tyler Pearson. So we got everybody contributing, but Andrew Hansen put together another Millie Maker winner. So uh, we're, we've got our four sports that we focus on here, NBA, NFL, MLB, and PGA, and we try to be the best in the industry uh, in those areas. All right, real quickly, as we're jumping into this NBA 10-game slate for Friday night, a couple of things. Uh, I do these podcasts solo four days a week. Uh, twice a week, I'm with Andrew and once with uh, Josh Crash Davis. Our first podcast tomorrow is tomorrow morning uh, on Saturday. So excited uh, to, to do that one. But I want to uh, say that to explain a little bit of how we're going to uh, – build these podcasts as the season goes on. You'll see that we'll we'll talk a little bit more in depth about certain areas, but just so everybody on the podcast that's listening knows, uh, we take everything into consideration here prior to giving out recommendations, discussion, discussing lineups, rotations, uh, et cetera here. And uh, we're looking specifically at uh, teams with minutes, the rotations here early in the year, teams just getting started. We are using the statistics that we, you know, base a lot of this on pace, defensive real plus minus, team defense uh, by position. But a lot of those stats, because there's been so many changes in the NBA, are based on some uh, statistics from last season. So, yes, those do matter, especially the teams that didn't move a lot of players. But for the teams that did have a major overhaul, like the Lakers, for example, uh, of their 12-man active roster for a game, nine of them are new. The only holdouts from last year are LeBron, AD, and Tatum, Holler, Tatum, 
THT. Let me say it that way. <laughs> and he's hurt. So anyway, the reason I say that is uh, what we're going to talk about on these podcasts for the first two, three weeks of the season till those stats get some validity to them. And then we can combine them with last year's to get a good feel. Uh, we're going to be talking about the depth charts again, the player rotations, how the new coaches, which you're half a dozen of them as well, how they're utilizing their players, what the usage looks like, uh, the, the pieces that really make a difference in impacting, as we know, daily fantasy sports is today. So we don't care about the statistics from yesterday's game as far as how many DFS points they got, or we don't care about the DFS points they're going to get tomorrow. We are focusing in how can we take down slates today. So we're combining these things, and you'll see that we're going to talk about uh, those depth charts, those rotations, minutes, and usage so that we really get a good feel of who can get it done for us. All right, that explains that. I wanted to get that out there, and we're going to get started. We have game one. Game one is the Indiana Pacers at the Washington Wizards. It's a 7 o'clock game. Washington is favored by one. And the implied total for the Pacers is 113. For the Wizards, it's 114. So uh, nice game to start off the slate. As far as injuries go right now, we're looking at quite a few for both teams. We have um, questionable tags on Torrey Craig, Justin Holliday, and Jeremy Lamb. So those are all important pieces of information. And then out, we have Karis LeVert, uh, Mr. Martin, and Mr. Warren are both out. For On the Washington side, we have a questionable tag on Bradley Beal. I would say that's fairly important to know, huge piece of information. Probable on Gill, and out we have Bryant, Hashimura, and Cassius Winston. So that's how uh, the injuries play out there. So let's talk a little bit about uh, this squad and, and how that looks. You know, again, uh, from the Pacers' side, a, a possible starting uh, rotation of Brogdon. Chris Duarte, who was out of his mind, first game ever. You know, we talked a lot about him, but 27 points, uh, six or seven threes. He was phenomenal, and he wanted the ball in the clutch. So Brogdon, and we'll talk DK pricing, and then we'll be able to just elaborate from there. But Brogdon at 7'5", Chris Duarte's up to six, but certainly deserves it. You know, we don't know for sure on holiday. Sabonis was awesome, absolutely dominant, and he's 9K, Miles Turner at 5.7. As far as as their uh, Indiana's bench, uh, what Indiana's bench looks like, uh, let's let's take a look at that rotation and see who else we're expecting in there. Uh, we know TJ McConnell's going to get minutes off the, the bench at point. Uh, look, didn't look good in the first game, though. Not really in a 10-game slate am I going to go there. Then a lot of it has to do with all these guys that are questionable. If Justin Holliday or Jeremy Lamb play one or the other, I think they're playable. Uh, then we have the wild card of Torrey Craig. He got minutes as well, and he's dinged up. So, you know, if if two of those three guys are out, you can consider a real cheap play uh, with one of them. Um, Sabonis, certainly a consideration in every lineup. 
He's just, he looks fantastic playing really, really well. Um, and then uh, Miles Turner. I mean, those would be the guys. Miles is okay, but center's so, so tough to uh, roster. Um, but really, the focus for me, Brogdon's a little ding, but he's okay. I mean, you can consider him at that price. Duarte, Duarte gets a consideration. Let's see what happens with those small forwards as we get closer to lock. And then Sabonis has to be right up there uh, on the list as one of the main guys. All right, they're facing the Washington Wizards. Uh, we know that from an injury standpoint, uh, the Wizards, we, we mentioned their guys, Hashimura, you know, that is a big one. He was really taking on a role with that squad. Uh, and with him being out, it, it changes things a bit. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, he disappointed a, a little in that first game, but he's only 5.6K, is a focal point. If Beal sits, then Dinwiddie's 100% lock and load for me. It's that simple. He's going to get a ton of those shots. Uh, if Beal plays, Beal's 9-2, a little worried about that number. Uh, if he's not 100%, not going to go there more than likely. Then you have the main guys in the rotation, Caldwell Pope, super cheap at 3.5. Kuzma at 5.7 is not a bad play. He's He showed signs of, of doing some really good things in that last game. He's just not a fantastic periphery scorer, but, he, you know, he gets it done. And then just like we talked about, you know, the Gafford and Montrez Harrell thing. They're both really solid. They're both cheap. Gafford's 5-2 and Harrell's 5-4. I like both of those guys, but I don't, you know, on a 10-game slate, you can't afford splits. And I really do think those guys are going to split minutes. So I'm, I'm really not crazy uh, about this Wizards team, <clears throat> depending on the news from Beal. If Beal sits Dinwiddie, like I say, lock and load. After that, you certainly can consider Kuzma with uh, Hashimura still being out, but his price isn't as good as it really should be. Not interested in the other bench guys, Holiday, Neto, Kispert, uh, Avdia, uh, just not going to get it done. So little slim pickings on a matchup of a game that's really going to be closely contested and has a decent total. So Hope to come out with a one-off on each side in this game. Game two, New York Knicks and the Orlando Magic. We have the Knicks favored by seven and a half. Um, implied total for the Knicks, 110.25, and Orlando, 102.75. So uh, interesting, Nick, uh, Knicks are a pretty good favorite here uh, on the road. But the Magic did look bad in that first game. Certainly, a, they have a lot of ground still to cover. Uh, let's talk about injuries here. Knicks, Taj Gibson, uh, who was a real surprise uh, scratch in this last game, uh, he is questionable. And then Nerland's Noel remains out. So we need to focus and see what happens there. That is important news on Gibson because it, it does turn things for Mitchell Robinson, who's coming back from an injury in the preseason himself, you know, uh, if all of those guys are dinged, it just elevates Julius Randle because he's going to get a lot of those rebounds that those guys would normally take. So I would say uh, let's follow the news on Gibson and uh, 
and uh, see what happens from there. On the Orlando side, they are still banged up as they were at the beginning. All of these guys are out. Uh, MCW, Fultz, Harris, Isaac, Moore, and Okiki, all out. So that does change a lot of things for this team, uh, for sure, uh, just because of that lack of, of depth. Um, so let's look at that rotation a bit for the Knicks. We all know Thibodeau's our favorite DFS coach because he never takes his guys out. Um, and we want to see, you know, how is that going to affect the rotation? Um, Kemba Walker, Derek Rose, uh, you know, they're both going to get time. They're both going to get minutes. Rose is playing better, in my opinion, but I don't like the timeshare there. Eric Fournier, not really, you know, the strongest play in my book, uh, just based on he's so scoring dependent. R.J. Barrett, you know, will get a lot of minutes coming off a poor first game. Uh, and then Julius Randle's got to be at the top of a lot of lists. I mean, his usage is off the chart. He's their go-to guy, uh, and he certainly deserves consideration to make uh, any lineup in any format. Uh, Obi Toppin off the bench, getting some minutes at the three and four, you know, as a punt for if you need a real cheap guy, you can look there. And like I say, Mitchell Robinson, um, you know, his price point's okay considering if Noel and Gibson are out, but we'll see if Gibson uh, does suit it up. Um, we can look at that also from the standpoint, you know, are there any bargains? I mean, you've got uh, Derek Rose at 6'1 and Kemba at 6'4, so you have to commit to one of those guys, and it, it concerns me on usage in minutes uh, to split there. And again, I'm when I see splits, I, I run the other way on big slates like this because you just can't afford a guy, you know, not getting enough minutes and opportunity. Fournier's overpriced, like I said. Barrett at 5'8 isn't bad considering. Julius, you have to pay for at 8'5, and, uh, you know, but he's, he's certainly worth it if you can make him fit. I mean, he's a little bit, he's 500, uh, cheaper than Sabonis at, at the same position. So something to look at there. Uh, Mitchell Robinson a little higher than I'd like at 5'6", but certainly has the potential to, to do really well with rebounds and blocks or get in foul trouble. And if Taj Gibson is back, certainly that eliminates uh, playing Mitchell for me. And Taj is only 4K. If he's going to start and be back and not be on a limits minutes limit, he's a possibility. All right, let's look at the other side of the ball in the Orlando Magic. Um, you know, interesting here with them, they have uh, a lot of young guys, and they're just trying to figure out a rotation, and that's where it becomes difficult. Um, but you can look, Cole Anthony's all the way up to 6.3. He's good. He's getting the key minutes and key touches. Uh, not sure, though, if I want to go there. Uh, considering that Jalen Suggs, who could be their best player eventually here, he's off to a super slow start and an injured start, but he's only 4K. And once he starts getting the ball and gets gets hot, very, very dangerous. Uh, Franz Wagner, the, the younger brother of Mo, the, the one that was drafted very high this past season, is 4.5, but a lot of rotation of there, and I'm not trusting his play at this point. 
I do think both of these guys are interesting because they're starting and playing together, and that's Wendell Carter Jr. at 5.6 and Mo Bamba at 6. Uh, you can make a case for both of them, and I'd like I'd like to try to fit one of the two of them in there. Uh, you know, the Knicks do play a pretty tight defense, but if they're a little shorthanded at the center spot, uh, that really could open things up for Bamba, and uh, Wendell Carter can play. I, I, he definitely can off the bench, though, you know, it starts to get to the point where are these guys going to get enough minutes? Because a lot of guys played in this last game. And, uh, you know, it just it creates a situation where, you know, do you trust that anybody's going to get enough usage uh, as they're trying to figure out a rotation there? But right now, I mean, you know, Anthony playable, Suggs at that price, extremely playable. Uh, off the bench, the guys that just probably aren't going to cut it for me are guys like R.J. Hampton, Mo Wagner, um, you know, Robin Lopez is on that team. Um, Iggy Brazdikas has got some minutes. I just, you know, you can't trust any of those guys. R.J. Hampton I like, but I just don't think he's going to play enough. So for me, the only considerations here are Suggs, if, if I read some good things this afternoon and see some coach speak and and beat writer info on Suggs. If he's ready to go full steam at 4K, uh, you gotta you gotta look at him. But if he's not and and he's limited, then then definitely not going to take a risk on a 10 game slate. But after that, it's just all about looking at Carter uh, and or Bamba to see if that fits uh, one or the other. Not going to stack both, but uh, definitely going to consider and take a look at both guys. All right, we go to game three. Uh, it is also a 7 o'clock game, so there's three early games. It's the Charlotte Hornets, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Charlotte is favored by two. The total's 225.5. We have an implied total for Charlotte of 114 and for Cleveland, 111.5. So let's talk about how's the health of these two teams. Terry Rozier, he was a scratch in this last game. Uh, he didn't feel good on the court. He was out there for warm-ups, didn't feel good enough to go. But he is a uh, question mark today. I think it's more of a lean that he may play, so we need to keep a close eye on that. He's their only major injury. Uh, for Cleveland, Dean Wade and probable. Darius Garland, a monster question. He is questionable, and that changes a lot for Cleveland. You know, again, same scenario. If he's out, Colin Sexton becomes a serious play for me. Um, and you really got to consider him there. Uh, Dylan Windler also out. All right, let's talk about uh, the Charlotte side of the ball here a little bit. Um, LaMelo Ball at 7.7. I mean, I know he crushed it this last game. He went crazy. I don't see how you cannot consider him. I mean, he's an 8K-plus player. He's a little underpriced, in my opinion, uh, going against that, that Cleveland backcourt that we always pick on, just a perfect spot for him. And I don't think it's an overreaction. Like the biggest mis mistake people make early on in DFS at the beginning of the season in the first couple of weeks is they'll just try to jump on a guy that just had a fantastic game and think they're going to replicate that. And a lot of times there's some regression. But this is one of those cases where I don't think it's going to regress. Or even if it does a smidgen, he he was awesome. 
And I just, the matchup is too good to not play him. If Rogier plays, it does take a little bit away from ball instead of being 100% smash. If Rogier sits, he is 100% smash. But if he plays, it does take a little bit away from him. Uh, but at 7 7, you can't beat it. Not going to pay up for Rogier if he does jump in there. Gordon Hayward was a stud, man. They went to him for every big basket. He looked good. He's 7K. He's in play. Um, after that, not crazy about the huge mix of guys with Miles Bridges, Mason Plumley, Kelly Oubre, PJ Washington. Uh, those guys were all pretty much a mishmash of minutes, some good production, some not, but nothing that dives out from a price standpoint. Uh, they're all, you know, between 5.5 and 6.3. Ish Smith had a great game. I know some people are going to probably overreact to that and, and uh, put him in there as their cheap guard, but he's 4.3. Uh, not, not much of a ceiling there, uh, but does get, gain a little bit of value for sure if Rogier does sit again. Uh, on the Cleveland side, again, you know, depending on Garland's status, Sexton is expensive at 7.5, but you got to consider him with Garland out because he can't have a ceiling game. Uh, Lori Markinen had a nice game. He'll garner some ownership today at 5.2. Uh, but, you know, the story will be about the two big guys. They both played well. Another team going with sort of twin towers with two centers. But Evan Mobley and Jared Allen uh, at 6.9 and 6.6, they're both playable. I'm not running to play them. Uh, but, you know, Charlotte's interior defense is not very good. And they both deserve a consideration. Certainly not going to stack them together. Uh, but, you know, I wish Mobley's price was a little bit cheaper, but certainly something uh, worth looking at. So just to, to look at this game again from the depth chart standpoint and for discussion purposes, Ball, you know, a great play, an automatic play if Rozier sits. Um, Gordon Hayward certainly is, looks like he's going to play and get it done and be the go-to guy. Uh, after that, though, the combination of guys, again, that I'm not super interested in that will get minutes are, are Smith, Oubre. Oubre, we could start looking at at times. Miles Bridges can throw in some big games at times. P.J. Washington, a little inconsistent by anybody's, uh, you know, uh, understanding. Jalen McDaniels and then Mason Plumley. So we're not going to go. Uh, to those guys. Um, and then on the Cleveland side is a quick recap. Same thing. Um, Sexton, a big play if Garland sits, but don't like the price per se. Rubio will get a lot of those minutes if Garland's out, which actually makes him playable um, at this stage of his career. But if, if Garland sits, Rubio has to be considered at his cheaper price. Lori Markinen, Isaac Okoro, Okay, but I don't think they're going to get to their number with, with that high of salary. But the two guys we'll just keep looking at are Mobley and Allen because they're backed up basically by Kevin Love and a little bit of Jetty Osman. But it's pretty much those two guys running the show together, uh, learning to play and get minutes together. So it's just a matter of picking the right one on any specific day. All right, we go on to... The next ball game, that is the Brooklyn Nets. This is our first 7.30 game. 
Eastern. It's the Brooklyn Nets at the Philadelphia 76ers. You have Brooklyn minus three coming off that drubbing that they took. Uh, and it is a 227 over under. So you got to love that. 115 implied for Brooklyn, 112 for Philly. So let's talk about uh, any injuries here on these two teams. Brooklyn, Kyrie Irving, you ever heard of that guy? Did you know he's not playing? Well, if if you didn't know that, take the night off from DFS because <laughs> you need to know that. He's not playing. On the Philly side, you have a questionable tag on Embiid. So that's interesting. I think, you know, that may change. Again, this is I'm putting this podcast together early Friday, and some of those things may have already changed by the time you listen to this. But we need to keep an eye on that. That's obviously hugely important since he's one of the best DFS players in the game. The guys that we do know that are, are, are out are Shake, Milton, uh, and then Riller, and Ben Simmons, another guy. If you don't know the Simmons story, another reason to take the night out, uh, night off. So Irving and Simmons together, what a duo those two guys are. All right, so let's talk a little bit about what this game looks like and some pricing uh, that will, will affect things. You've got, of course, James Harden at the 9.4 tag. He disappointed me the last game, but it was uh, – you know, somewhat of a blowout. So, I, you know, again, he's capable of breaking any slate, uh, but he's paired with Kevin Durant at 9.3. This is probably the only duo that I would say, if you do want to pay, pay up for both, you can. And I think it's, it's possible that they can both get to their number for sure. I mean, without Kyrie, the one good thing is those two guys, you're pretty much assured are going to get the majority of the usage and they're going to be terrific on any given night. Now, Philly is a really good defensive team. However, it's dependent on Embiid. Embiid is the stir that the the straw that stirs that defensive uh, drink there for Philly. I mean, they are phenomenal because of in, his interior uh, presence. But if he sits, that's you know definitely a step back with Drummond in there um, in his place. If Embiid does sit, by the way, Drummond, you know, like we said, we're going to do this year. When Embiid sits, we're going to play Drummond because Drummond is a points per minute guy in DFS. He always has been. And if he's the starter, key contributor in a game, you always have to look at Drummond. So this is a news dependent situation. Not going to play Drummond ever at the 5.5 tag if uh, Joel plays. Joel is 10K, by the way, which, you know, that's a hard pill to swallow, although, you know, Brooklyn is short at center. They don't have a lot of center depth. They play a lot of power forwards there. So, you know, Embiid, you can never not say, you know, Embiid is, is a potential play here. Now, if he's going to be limited at all, obviously not, especially at that 10K number. If you're going to pay up for anybody like that at the high nines or, or tens, uh, you got to make sure he's playing big minutes and then it's a game that you're expecting to be competitive because you really can't spend that kind of salary and not get, you know, a full-blown uh, game from somebody that's that's going to really uh, try to get to 7, 8x. To get to 7 or 8x at that number, you've got to have a phenomenal game. You know, we're talking 70 to 80 uh, DFS points, which doesn't happen that often. So, um, yeah, it's a risk when you go up that high, but sometimes you have to have them. 
All right, so uh, let's look at the net side real quick. So we have that Harden and Durant possibility, 9-4 and 9-3 respectively. Both look great. Uh, you can go either direction. Joe Harris, I'm not going to get suckered into him again. He's 5K, and he gets minutes, and his defensive ranking is up from last year. There's all kinds of good signs there. He had a great preseason. But every time I play the darn guy, he just runs up and down the floor uh, and almost he should have some popcorn and a beer because he just watches most of what goes on. Uh, his and his points never show no periphery. If he's not red hot shooting a bunch of threes, it's just impossible to play him. It really is. Nicholas Claxton is a guy that is is the wild card here. I think he's going to be popular because he's three point eight at that position, which you can't find for a guy that started and played good minutes. And look good. And he can score. He's going to get some alley-oops, putbacks. He can jump out of the building. He's going to get some blocks. And, you know, not a bad player. Here's the thing, though. Not even going to touch him. If Embiid's playing, I respect his interior defense so much that I'm not even going to consider Claxton, not even on a GPP. If Embiid sits, then it changes everything for me with Claxton. He becomes playable uh, in my cash games and may, and if not, at very worst in my GPPs. Um, after that, how about Patty Mills start? My goodness sakes. he was He's only 4.8. I know he's not going to make seven threes in a row like he did, I, I wouldn't think, uh, in the first game. But he's a terrific guy. I mean, you know, we talked about it a lot. With Irving not playing this season, it looks like uh, Mills is really a serious player because he's going to run – the show when Harden sits, and then he's going to get minutes. He may even finish games. So uh, Patty is a consideration. Uh, after that, man, it was a lot of old guys looking old. I felt bad because I love LaMarcus Aldridge, but he looked like somebody that I sh should be playing with me up at the Y. I, I, I know that's sort of harsh, but he just wasn't moving his jump shot was release was slow. He just looked old. I know he's been out of the game, but it's just hard to watch guys that were dominant players. Um, and, and I'll tell you, there was a stretch with Portland. He and Dame had it going when he was MVP caliber. He was a great player, but looks like a lot of the game has passed him by. Same thing with I'm not thrilled with James Johnson, Javon Carter, Paul Millsap, for crying out loud. That the odd thing was Bruce Brown didn't get off the bench until the very, very end. He was obviously he's obviously in the doghouse, or they decided to go a different direction. So until that is explained, completely stay away from him. Uh, I was really lucky with our members because I had him penciled in our lineup. And then when we saw that he was yanked from the starting lineup, we made a quick switch. And that really helped us cash where we would have been dead because you get a guy like Brown in your lineup, you might as well, you know, watch a movie, turn off sports and, and give up the night. So you don't want to go there. Let's talk about the other side of the ball. I love Tyrese Maxey. He's one of my favorite uh, value plays on every slate until I'm told differently. When Shake Milton comes back, it, it'll be a split. And then, you know, me with splits, but Maxey at five, three, I mean, you know, he's he's the guy that's going to make this team go. And I really think he's got even more upside than he showed in the first game. Corp Maz and some of the guys went bonkers. Uh, but, you know, I trust Maxi, And I think that uh, 
if he gets guarded by Harden, I think he can do some damage because he's so quick and he does push the ball up and down the floor. Again, if Embiid plays or not, all of the the usage you know shifts everywhere else. Uh, you know, a guy like T- uh, T- Tobias Harris at seven point two is a phenomenal play. He's a good play regardless because he's going to just get numbers everywhere. He always does. And he has shifts where he plays and is the focal point when Embiid sits, if Embiid plays. If Embiid sits, then Tobias, yes, you know, absolutely. Uh, great play. Not, I'm not comfortable with the whole 4.2 Danny Green, 5.4 Seth Curry, even the 4.4 Cork Moss. That seems like a trap play to me. I know he shot the ball like a maniac. I just don't see it on a 10-game slate, though. The other guys off their bench, again, Drummond, somewhat useless unless Embiid sits. Thibel, Yang, Isaiah Joe, those guys just aren't playable on a big slate. So um, that is the, the look for the Brooklyn and Philadelphia game. All right, next one, 7.30. There's only two 7.30 games. This is the second one. It's the Toronto Raptors at the Boston Celtics, and it is a low total. It's only 218. Boston's favored by six and a half. Toronto looked like a team that really needs to improve uh, in this first game. Uh, the implied total uh, for Toronto, 105.75. For Boston, 112.25. Let's look at injuries from these two teams. Uh, Siakam, we know, is out. Watanabe or Watanabe, I like to pronounce it both ways for people that are comfortable with either tomato, tomato, out, which is important. With Siakam out, it does change the entire flow of things for uh, the Raptors. For the Celtics, we have Al Horford questionable, but we do have uh, Smart and Josh Richardson um, probable. So they should have the majority of their squad uh, intact for this game. All right, so let's look at it with some pricing uh, numbers involved to it as well. We've got um, interesting in the rotation here. Uh, Precious Achua had a really solid game. He's very active. I like him. Uh, He's only 3.6. So there are some really good uh, value plays at the power forward and center spot tonight. I think you can take advantage of it. Chua may be one of them. And his counterpart on the other side had a really good first game, Robert Williams the third, but he's 6.2. So you are literally paying, uh, you know, close to double that you are for an Achua. So you got to think about that. But on the, uh, Goran Dragic got the start at 4.8. Uh, you know, he was, was okay. You know, I, the, the thing is, is he going to get the big minutes? I don't know because he's older. Gary Trent comes in off the bench and gets the minutes at 4.4. Uh, so, you know, you, you've got some question marks there. But he can be a guy that can get hot. Fred Van Vliet, uh, that, he really hurt me the first game. Not one of his best games. And now he gets probably Jalen Brown defense, which is no fun. And Jason Tatum, uh, you know, probably won't guard him. He'll probably guard Ananobi. But – you know, I was all over Van Vliet and Ananobi in the first game. I'm not going to go there to either one, not because I, Ananobi got it done. 
uh, Van Vliet did not. But the reason I'm not is because they're going to give Brown and, and uh, Tatum defense. And I think that's enough to slow them down at, at 6.9 and 6.2K. Just I'd rather almost go with a Precious uh, at 3.6 or a Scotty Barnes at 4.5. Now, Barnes had a little bit of a rough game, but he's underpriced and he's a rookie. I'm sure he had some first game jitters. He certainly can get there. Um, off the bench, nothing that makes me dive out of the building with Gary Trent, Kem Birch at 5.6, too high. Malachi Flynn is 6K, which is a joke because he's not getting the minutes. So really, it's a bit thin. I'm not on the Toronto side. I don't like this game in particular. Uh, the over-under is low in Vegas for a reason. And, uh, you know, again, maybe a value play with a Barnes or two, but that's it. For the Celtics, you know, it's a different story. You've got Marcus Smart, who I believe will play it, you know, at 6'4". That's a little pricey for me. Uh, but then you've got the two studs. Do you play one of these guys? How about the first game for Jalen Brown? Are you kidding me? Jalen Brown was supposed to he – was, he was questionable for that game. He's coming back from a sickness or COVID or something to the point where he was lim- supposed to be limited. He played 46 minutes and had like 9 million fantasy points. I, I don't get it. But certainly, obviously, in great shape. Can he come back with a big game after a 46-minute game? That's a little scary, but he's if he you know he regresses even 20% to what he did, it's it's still good enough. But he's 8.3k. Uh, Tatum is 8.8, so a little bit more expensive, but certainly playable as well. The only thing is Ananobi's a defensive dog, and he's gonna be on Tatum, and that is enough for me to get away from that 8.8. Uh Grant Williams, no thank you. I don't care if he's free. Um, not Nothing personal to the Grant Williams family. Robert Williams at 6'2". Again, there's so many values at center. It's a little bit too high for me. Then you've got that, you know, the, the bunch of bench guys, and you just, they're all in the same bucket for me. Schroeder at 5'9", Langford at 3'2", Richardson at 4", Peyton Pritchard at 3'1", Horford at 5'6", if he plays. Um, Ennis Canner didn't even see the floor in the first game. I thought that was pretty interesting. He's a guy that we've gone to at times. So I don't like this game. Uh, I think it's a, a, a rough one for DFS standards. Maybe a, a value play on the Toronto side. And if I can somehow make either Brown or Tatum fit, uh, more likely on a secondary lineup or GPP play, but not a game I'm going to focus on. All right, we go to the eight, the first 8 o'clock game, and that takes us through five games down, five games to go. So that gives me the opportunity to say uh, thank you for listening in, by the way. Really appreciate uh, all of the feedback that we get. If you're watching this again on YouTube, a quick thumbs up, uh, hit that subscribe button if you haven't already, and give us a quick comment, a question. Uh, something to add on, whatever, just that, that combination of making sure you're subscribed, you give us a thumbs up and you make a comment really helps us uh, on YouTube. So we really appreciate that. Hit that alarm button. Like I said, at the beginning of the show, at the upper corner, that bell, that'll let you know when our podcast posts. Uh, if you want to join us here at DFS Coach Talk, this is the perfect time to do it. We are so deep into sports right now with our four, all four sports going it is amazing. 
Again, we're coming off a, a fantastic takedown by our GOAT here, the Tom Brady of DFS Coach Talk, Mr. Andrew Hansen. He tied in the Millie Maker uh, last night uh, for our members, and that was the lineup that we gave out as our FanDuel hybrid. So we had a lot of members uh, that, that jumped into that as well, or was it the DraftKings uh, uh, Foundation Group? Whatever. One of them were... Uh, we were all over. Uh, then in golf, we have, you know, we're giving out weekend only lineups tonight. The Zozo's going on. We do PGA uh, podcast on Wednesdays, and then we're giving lineups for Thursday for the full tournament. And then we're also doing that on Friday nights for the Saturday, Sunday part of the event. And then in baseball, our man Crash Davis, Josh Crash Davis is riding solo on the MLB playoffs here. Now that I've switched to uh, NBA full full tilt here, which is about an eight-hour process a day, and I love it. Um, so he is providing N MLB lineups, a lot of showdown lineups. He had cashed across the board again, again yesterday. So perfect time to join. You can join for as little as three days for $10, five days for $19. We have NBA packages, NFL packages. Now, here's the key. No matter what package you purchase, doesn't matter if it's called NBA, PGA, NFL, NBA, whatever, you get everything that we've got here. We just name these uh, because it's the time of the season of that sport, and we're putting pricing, special pricing in for those memberships. But when you become a member of the Coach Talk family and you jump in there, regardless, even a three-day pass, full access, all of our statistics all of our projections, all of the pro football focus stuff that we have. We have a great partnership with them in the NFL. Big shout out to them too for helping that information, you know, with Andrew to get to that Millie Maker win. Um, all of the, the statistical analysis that we do, all of our lineups, we provide either, uh, uh, when I provide NBA, for example, I'll give a core group of cash hybrid and GPP to play on DraftKings. We stay within their guidelines. And then there are other days where uh, we'll have Andrew and Josh in there too, where we'll do an NBA um, coach's clipboard, which will give you a pool of players. We do the coach's clipboard in the other sports, golf, basketball, uh, I'm sorry, baseball and football. So you want to catch that. And then we give full lineups on FanDuel and Yahoo, both uh, cash and GPP. So you get all of it. I mean, and it's it's all you can eat. I mean, we're on it. Uh, we're in Discord throughout the entire afternoon because that's when all the news comes in, the shifting of players in and out. So join us. We'd lo absolutely love to have you. Um, and it's DFSCoachTalk.com. If you want to check us out on Twitter first, we're at DFSCoachTalk. I am at Joe Sarvati, J-O-E-S-A-R. V-A-D-I. And Andrew is at Language Olympic. All right. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to have you. Try us out. I promise you, you will not be dissatisfied with the product that we put out there. All right. Five games to go. Eight o'clock game. New Orleans Pelicans and the Chicago Bulls. Chicago favored by six. They look like their team. And I that was in the preview show. If you haven't watched the Western or Eastern Conference previews, still very valid. Check those out. They're posted on our YouTube 
Uh, they're both exactly an hour long, and they give you a, a breakdown of every team for this coming season. Still great to great listen. Um, 221 is the over-under on the Chicago by six spread. 107.5 implied for the Pels, 113.5 for Chicago. Let's take a look at the injuries in this game. Uh, we know that Zion Williams is out due to chubbiness or fatness. No, I'm sorry. That's very rude. I can say that because I'm not the, the svelte guy I used to be. But I did read something yesterday that Zion uh, reported right before preseason at a 306. That's a little hefty for the, for the young man. Um, but he has an injured foot. He'll be reevaluated in a couple weeks. Josh Hart had an MRI. He's listed as questionable. I doubt he'll play. Um, so that does change things a little bit there. For Chicago, Kobe White remains out at the point. Patrick Williams, their tough second-year forward out of Florida State, is probable. So let's talk a little bit about um, this matchup as far as what we expect from usage. The big question with Chicago was, you know, they were a good target for us a lot last year because, you know, it was Levine by himself for a while. And then you had the Levine Vuk thing once they traded for him. Now you have DeRozan in the mix. So, you know, we're sort of that uh, Chicago, sort of the Phoenix East, if you will. We always struggled with Phoenix. Are you going to play Paul, Booker, or Aiton? We're sort of that position now with Levine, DeRozan, and Vukovic. And then on top of that, you have Lonzo Ball there that's got the ball in his hands most of the time. So makes it tough. Chicago looks good. Levine did smash first time out. Um, but, man, is it tough to, to look at these guys at the price points that they are, um, you know, and expecting them to really bust it out because, you know, that's the concern. I mean, are you going to get enough bang for your buck? Uh, Pricing-wise, Lonzo at 6-6, again, you know, fourth or fifth option to score. Levine at 8K, he got it done for me the last time, uh, but I'm a little scared there with DeRozan at 7-1. Vuk's fair priced at 7.8. He's a monster. He's I think he's a fantastic DFS player. Uh, but, you know, again, how do we look at that usage? Is it going to pan out? It's It's early. There's no sample size to look at with this at all because you didn't have ball and DeRozan on this team. So you can statistically break it down all you want, but it's going to have to play out for a bit. And I have a tendency more, more than likely, even though it's a 221 total and the 113 and a half implied, you know, I'm not going to go heavy on the bulls just because I need to see how that's going to pan out in the next couple of weeks. But uh, certainly an up and coming team and a dangerous squad as far as, you know, that bench with the Bulls, they're, you know, they've got Caruso, uh, Troy Brown, Derek Jones. They, their bench is not that great, but, you know, that does help with the fact that Donovan may play these starters more minutes. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll, again, I, I'm there a little bit, but we still, the jury's still out. On the Pell side, Devontae Graham, the new point guard there, 5.5. You know, he's okay, but there's so many good point guards on a slate this big, it's hard to go that direction. Uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, always been one of my favorites, but 6.5 for the mixed minutes. 
uh, is a definite concern. Uh, he is, if he was just 5.6, I'd go there. But I just think he's a little overpriced, although I like him. Uh, Brandon Ingram's the man. I, you know, I'm a big Brandon Ingram guy. 7.5, I think, is very fair for him. You can play him at that small forward spot. Certainly, uh, probably a top choice for me in this game. Joe Val at 7-2. You know, he's okay, but I just don't see him dominating enough minutes here. He's not, you know, the same fantasy player that I, uh, you know, played quite a bit last year with Memphis as far as how he fits into this team when Zion gets back. You know, they, they play a lot of guys off the bench. Jackson Hayes, you know, 4.3. Najee Marshall, 5.1. The rookie Trey Murphy may get in there, 3.1. Kyra Luce at 4. Thomas Sadoransky at 3. Garrett Temple at 3.5. I just, those guys aren't playable to me. I know they're super cheap. Maybe if you, you need to throw one of them into uh, a GPP that you're looking for, somebody just to pop, I, but I wouldn't recommend it. So, you know, for me, it's really all about Ingram in this game uh, on the, the Pelican side. And then, you know, the question is, do you have the courage to spend up uh, and go with, with anybody of those key guys, you know, even Ball, Ball, Levine, DeRozan, Vuk, or uh, a cheap 4.1 Patrick Williams, but he's not 100%, so we got to keep an eye there. So not a, not a feature game for me here either, even though the 221 total's not bad. All right, next game, another 8 o'clock game. Uh, it's actually, the, there's two at 8. This is the other one. The bizarre followings of the Oklahoma City Thunder here. They are a riot to watch because they are just bizarre team, interesting builds, mixture of some young and old, and and 17 first-round picks, so who knows? Uh, this game, though, I like this game. I'm, I'm going to have exposure here. It is the, the Oklahoma City Thunder at the Houston Rockets. Would you believe Houston is a two-and-a-half-point favorite? They've won, like, five games in the last 10 months. I mean, they stink, but they're the favorite in this game, and if Vegas has them a favorite, they're probably going to win. Implied totals, 112. For them, Oklahoma City, 109 and a half. So it's a 221 and a half over under, which I like. And the, neither one of these teams, super proficient defense, defensively. So I have a lot of guys here I want to talk about. Let's look real quickly at uh, the injury scenario here first. Um, Oklahoma City not reporting injuries uh, at this time. Uh, Houston, we know Wall's out. He's not really with the team. Uh, House and Matthews both questionable. So we have the key guys going for these squads, and it you know it brings some a lot of these guys in play. Um, I'll start out on the Thunder side. Shea at six point seven is reasonable, especially with a poor defensive backcourt that Houston has with Porter and Green. Don't think they're great defensively. Josh Giddy, who I you know I like him at four point one. He snuck into my lineup. He gets minutes. That long, lanky frame, he can play like four positions, dangerous. Lou Dort, a lot of people like to play him. You know, I think he's more of a defensive specialist, but he can hit some threes and get some usage at 5.1. Uh, Darius Baisley, he was a little disappointing in game one. I thought he'd busted even more, but he was okay. Good enough. You know, he's statistically sound in games because he will block some shots, get some rebounds. 
finish at the rim. He can hit a three. He is 6K, so it's not like he's a giveaway. Um, but you got to at least consider. Other than that, man, they've got a lot of skaboogies. Favors at 3-6. Maladone, 3-8. Roby, 4-5. Kenrich Williams, 3-9. Poku, 4-9. Um, I could go on, but it's it's more and more painful. So really, to me, if you're going to look at a Thunder player, I mean, you can – there will be guys that – like Dort, I get it. But for me, it's more Alec Bot, Gilgus, Alexander, Giddy, and Baisley as being the three guys that are fair enough priced that you can really consider them in a cash bill. On the Houston side, Kevin Porter, really poor first game. He turns it over a lot. Jalen Green didn't get it done either. Um, like I said, this team's not a good team, but that backcourt is going to going to get fantasy points. The thing is, Porter's 7-3, which really stings. That's expensive. Uh, I know he can put up monster numbers, but that's a big price tag for him. Uh, Jalen Green at 4-8 is understandable. I mean, you know his capabilities of going off, but, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a rookie. He's young, so we just have to watch and see. Probably the best player on their team is Christian Wood, especially where you can play him power forward center. He's at 7-1. You know, he's their consistent go-to guy. Uh, the interior defense for the Thunder is shaky with, with probably favor starting at, at center. Um, so Wood is in play. Um, Daniel Tice at 5K can be, can get, uh, be looked at, as well as Jay Sean Tate at 4-9. After that, though, you know, I sort of like Sengun. I mean, he gets more and more minutes. 3.9. He's active, just risky on a slate this big, but somebody to keep an eye on. Don't want any part of a 5-5 Eric Gordon or a 3-8 DJ Augustine or 3-5 Daniel Nawaba, you know, KJ Martin, who was in the mop-up minutes at 5-6. Just none of those guys appeal to me. So I do think you can spend some money here. I think you can take a Thunder guy or two, uh, you know, maybe a Shea and a Baisley or a Giddy if you want to go cheaper. And I think, you know, Porter, Green, and Wood, you know, are very playable. So you got six guys really to choose from. This could be, you know, my highest owned game. I could come out of this game with three players and feel good about it because I think that the game will stay close. I think they'll both get up and down the floor, and they do have some explosive, explosive young players. And the younger guys have a tendency to stay in longer when games blow out or get out of hand or anything, which I don't think this one will, but it's just something to note. Like uh, Noir yesterday for the Bucks, always you know put a little extra circle around the guys that are starting or getting big minutes, but then a game blows out and they get end of the game run to get experience. So there's always some bonus points there, and I think you're going to get a lot of that with both Thunder and Rockets players. Those two teams in general, but the fact that they're playing each other, it's probably going to be exacerbated even more. So a good game to play, good game to target. All right, little sip of coffee here. Okay, the other, uh, we go to a 9 o'clock game, Eastern, actually, and it's the only 9 o'clock game on the board, and then we have two 10 o'clock Eastern late-night sweat games to discuss. San Antonio Spurs against the Denver Nuggets. Uh, this one should be interesting. It's Denver minus seven and a half. It's a 220 over under. 
you have an implied total of the Spurs of 106.25 and the Nuggets of a 113.75. Let's take a look at some injuries here because this could come into play today in this game. Uh, Collins and Kaycock remain out for the Spurs. We know Murray's still out for a while for Denver, and Kanchar is probable for this game. Um, as we look at some pricing and we look at these two teams, we've got a couple things to discuss. DeJounte Murray at 7K, playable commodity, Derek White. Some people like at 5'9". I'm not the biggest fan. Uh, you know, the other guys, Keldon Johnson at 5, Doug McDermott at 4.4, Yaka Pirtle at 5'7". You've got uh, so many guys. You don't want to get popped. You know, you never know what pop's going to do in any game. This team could blow out to Denver. They're going to play Lonnie Walker, Devin Vassell, Drew Eubanks, uh, Kata Bates-Jopp, Trey Jones, Bryn Forbes. Those guys are probably all going to get in. Um, maybe even a Thad Young. Who knows? You know, uh, they're, they're deep. They're not good. Um, and I, I'm going to play so little Spurs this year, it's not even funny. And I feel that way in this game. I know Murray's solid at seven, but just, you know, Spurs are pretty much passable for me unless they have injuries that force big usage for somebody. And even then, you know, Pop finds a way to pull somebody up from the G League and play them half the game. So uh, buyer beware always on the Spurs. Don't like this matchup for them against the Nuggets. You know, if the, if the game stays close, Nuggets certainly have some players that deserve uh, a look. Monte Morris is only 4'6". Will Barton's only 5'7". They're both playable. Michael Porter Jr., 6'3", reasonable for a guy that could have a high ceiling. Uh, and the Joker, he's 10'2", which is a big number. Jakob Pertl, decent defender, um, long, uh, you know, and Eubanks, even off the bench, is, a, is an irritant. He's one of those hustle guys. So not super high on the Joker, but it's hard not to be. I mean especially until they have Murray back. He's such a focal point, you know, and he's such a triple-double threat that, you know, again, I'm never going to say, hey, the, the Joker is just an absolute fade unless there's an injury or, or some underlying message because he's just too damn good. Uh, I have a tendency to look more towards the Morris Barton Porter group. Not interested really in Gordon. He had a few nice plays at 5-1. Then off the bench, you know, they've got a lot of cheap guys, all sub four. These guys are all sub four. Composo, Dozier, Green, both Greens, Jeff and Jermichael, Austin Rivers, Marcus Howard, who's getting minutes for them. Um, the, you know, the guys that jumped on the Bones Highland, I know we'd like Bones coming, uh, you know, going forward, but he's a youngster and he was a did not play coach's decision in game one, you know, we can talk all we want about the greatness of the, the summer league and preseason, but when the big boys step up and put the big boy pants on and get ready for some NBA regular season, uh, things change. And the youngsters generally don't take on uh, nearly as much of a role. That's why the Duarte with the Pacers game was so uh, incredible. But uh, anyway, you know, we'll keep an eye for Bones, but but not going to play him, certainly, until we see him in the rotation. So, uh, you know, other than that, really, that's the depth. Both teams play a lot of players. 
Uh, you can certainly look for a one-off here one way or the other, but but not a focal point game for me. All right, the two late games, 10, 10 p.m. games, late night sweat. You got the Utah Jazz at the Sacramento Kings. How about this number? And this number is the second biggest on the board. Uh, well, third, there's a tie. Pacers Wizards are 227. Brooklyn Phillies 227. And this game is 226 and a half. And so considering it's a Utah Jazz, that's a big number. But Sacramento, we know, gets up and down the floor like maniacs. And uh, they score the ball and they don't defend very well. 116.25 Jazz for the implied total, 110.25 for Sacramento. And, uh, you know, let's let's look at injuries first and make sure we're not uh, shooting ourselves in the foot there. You've got Rudy Gay out for Utah, Mo Harkless questionable for Sacramento. That's the main guys that are going to be in there. All right, so Conley at 5'7", and Clarkson, Clarkson at 5'9", you know, a lot of split minutes there. Donovan Mitchell at 8-7. He is Donovan Mitchell, uh, and he can have some monster games. It's a big price, though, but uh, certainly playable against the Sacramento team. Bogdanovich at 5-6, you know, hasn't really shown uh, quite the bust out beyond scoring. We need He would need to get other stats in other spots. Uh, Rudy Gobert at 7-9, always, you know, a guy you consider just not somebody for me. I I'd never go there. I just don't think they run enough for him. His usage is poor. He will get your rebounds and blocks, but I don't think he's going to get you all the way around. You know, their bench guys are decent with Ingles at 5'2", Hassan Whiteside, Eric Paschal. Uh, You know, they have some guys that can play, uh, but I think you got to stay focused on a, on a 10-game slate like this with the key guys. You know, Mitchell, if you want to spend up, uh, not really going to go Royce O'Neal. He gets a ton of minutes and he's sub 5K. So, you know, you can look that direction, uh, you know, but Mitchell's probably the top play here on that side of the ball. Sacramento, you've got some options here. You know, De'Aaron Fox at that 8-4 number is always playable. Conley's D is decent. It's not what it used to be. Uh, Clarkson is not a good defender. You know, so Fox is could be a, a great point guard play. He's 8-4, which hurts a little, but he's going to get it done in a lot of different ways. Tyrese Halliburton got some nice ownership in game one. He's 6K. He really underperformed. He did not shoot the ball well. But, you know, he's a guy that can also go off, and I think you got to consider him at, at a fair price there. Harrison Barnes, consistent, but 7-3, too high for me. No part of Heartless. Rashawn Holmes, 6.4 is not bad. I mean, you can look at him and, uh, you know, he can produce, but it's Rudy Gobert. You know, we always fade guys against Rudy and usually deservedly so. You're not going to just dominate in the paint. You're going to get some rebounds taken away with Gobert in there. And then when he's out, white sides in, again, you know, you're not going to get any free reign in the paint whatsoever. So, you know, that makes Holmes at 6.4 a little scary. Uh you know, this could be one of those games where I spend up and, you know, have a Mitchell versus Fox duo in one of the late games, I think would be a, a fantastic thing and a good move. Uh, but I'm not selling Hal Burton short. I think 
you'll see a mass exodus to some of that uh, ownership from game one because of the poor game. But he's the kind of guy that can can throw some numbers up on the board pretty quickly. All right, the 10th and last game, Phoenix Suns, Los Angeles Lakers, 10 o'clock. Should be a fun game. Lakers are a half-point favorite right now. How about that? 110.25 for Phoenix implied, 110.75 for the Lakers. I would say this game's pretty tight. Uh, 221 over under is fair, uh, but we have to see where we go from here. Now, I hung my hat on and ended up making money on the million percent fate of Russell Westbrook, which he did pretty much what I expected him to do, and he was very highly owned in the industry. Um, you know, he's Russell Westbrook, but I still don't see it. I'm still not going to go there. He's 8'6", which is cheaper than he was, but I don't see him in the mix. I don't see his usage there. I don't see him in the flow of things. So I'm not as adamant as I was in game one, but pretty adamant because he's he's also facing great defense in Chris Paul. But he's a very proud man, and Russ knows he's catching all kinds of flack. Uh, L.A. press is all over him. And so I, I do think he'll improve a little bit, but not enough for me to pay 8-6. So not a complete wash. Maybe I may throw him in one GPP just in case he decides to be Russell Westbrook. But uh, overall, I'm not seeing it with the Lakers. I don't like their their whole feel. I just I think they're old. They don't have enough three-point shooting. Just an odd team. In this day and age where the three-point shot is sort of everything and, you know, positionless basketball, they have guys that can't play anywhere else. I mean, why do you need DeAndre Jordan, Dwight Howard, and Anthony Davis all on the same team. I mean, you know, basically at this point of their careers, Jordan and Howard are the exact same player. Um, I, I don't know. I just don't get the build there. I think they're going to end up making trades because they, you know, Bazemore's not going to get it done. Malik Monk, maybe he's going to make some threes and he's cheap, 3.7. But I just think the Lakers are going to take a while to figure out exactly how they're going to mesh. So, on their side of the ball, um, LeBron's 9-1, and Anthony Davis is 8-9. Uh, again, you know, it comes to these late games a lot, and you certainly can't afford to play both. Do you play James? Do you play Davis, or do you fade both? Um, it's very interesting. You know, I, I, I'm probably going to go fade on the Lakers tonight, to be honest with you. I went with LeBron last time. I, you know, with Russ picking it up just a smidgen and Phoenix's defense being so stout, um, I don't like, like I say, the chemistry there. LeBron looks phenomenal. He's in great, great shape. But, uh, you know, if I went anywhere, I'd go LeBron. <clears throat> Davis is tough, too, but the interior defense, Crowder's so foxy in there defensively, and, and I don't mean De'Aaron Fox, but just foxy itself on how he plays defense. DeAndre Ayton, you know, is a defensive presence inside. And then they have Jamel McGee off the bench, who still can defend like a monster. Um, the questions, you know, that I have for, for the Lakers, I mean, I don't want any of these bench guys either. I don't trust Carmelo, Rondo, Monk, Avery Bradley. I mean, no thank you. So a lot of passing for the Lakers for me. You know, if I, if I do 
bite the bullet and one of one cash lineup and play LeBron. But other than that, it's going to be a lot of fading. I, I know it sounds weird and it's hard not to have exposure there, but I sort of like the Utah Sacramento game better than this other late game in Phoenix and the Lakers. As far as the Phoenix side, you've got Paul at 7.3, which is playable, and Booker at 8.2, uh, which isn't bad. But, you know, again, these guys are priced high, and that's the problem that I have with it. There's a lot of other higher-priced guys earlier on that I'm interested in. And I sort of like De'Aaron Fox better than the big dogs here, uh, believe it or not, even though it's against Utah. It's still a 226 and a half total in that other game. Mikel Bridges, you know, can be tough at 5K. He can make a difference. He certainly has the ability to get it done. Uh, Crowder at 5-5, risky, but, you know, okay. Cam Johnson off the bench, Landry Shamit, JaVale McGee, Cameron Payne, all sub 4Ks. You know, maybe if you're playing a late slate, yeah, you, you know, one of those guys is a good value, but hard. Hard to play any of them in a, in a 10 game type scenario here. Um, the guy I want to talk about a little bit is DeAndre Ayton. I'm not going to play him tonight because he has to face that juggernaut of Anthony Davis, Dwight Howard, and DeAndre Jordan. How would you like to try to score in the paint against those three guys? But here's the thing Ayton is the only guy in that group that was up for a rookie con- second contract for the rookies. You know, all the rest of the guys got paid a fortune, uh, Triple J, uh, all of those guys in that in that class that was drafted. But Aiden did not. They could not come to an agreement. He was wanting like something like 125 or 150. And uh, all that group got paid. I think the highest paid one was Triple J at about 112, somewhere in there. Uh, so I don't know. Aiden's not the kind of steady head guy that I think can play through something like this. If it's bothering him, I'm concerned. So I want to see how he plays. I want to see, is he going to revert back to the eight that was so-so before Chris Paul got there? Or is he going to be the eight that helped drive them to the NBA finals and was a huge force? Uh, I think he's, a lot of it's going to be between his ears and you know, it's easier for me to not play him in this game because it's against that potent Lakers defensive front line. But I'm definitely going to be watching him close going forward. So that is it, my friends. That's all 10. 10 up, 10 down. If you have a chance to um, catch any of the uh, preseason podcasts we did for the both the Eastern and Western Conference, please check those out. Uh, great time. Fridays are always the best time to join even if you're going to do a three-day pass for 10 bucks, just go dfscoachtalk.com. You can sign right up on there. We'll invite you in a Discord. You'll be in there in five minutes. And you'll get all of our golf uh, this weekend, all of our baseball this weekend, obviously all of our NBA, and then, of course, our awesome uh, NFL team uh, with Sunday football. So we would love to have you. Uh, if you have any questions, let us know. Put some comments right here on YouTube or shoot them on any of the uh, podcasts that you may be listening on. And uh, that is it, my friends. That is our Friday wrap-up. Let's get after it. We know that we're, we're looking to absolutely crush it here at Coach Talk, as always. And uh, hopefully that you'll get in there on the wins with us. So 
Thanks again for listening, and we will be back tomorrow. I'll be with Josh Crash Davis uh, to do NBA tomorrow morning for the Saturday slate. Um, And really appreciate it. Thanks for listening in. Have an awesome Friday, and let's make some money. We'll be back tomorrow again when we look to crush it in NBA DFS.